0: Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers who are joining me tonight. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, as always, please visit us on the web at DeadTalklive.com. You can find all of our featured recent episodes, upcoming guests, prior guests, and a whole bunch more. Also, if you have yet to do so, please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now, and it would be greatly appreciated if you guys subscribe. And if you're there right now, please feel free to hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So let me say hello to some of you who are joining me tonight. I want to say hello to our regular CC Wheezy, Khaleesi Singer Chick is with us. Saz is going to be moderating on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. We have Marie moderating on Instagram. Jason Byrne is with us on YouTube. Lindsay Sparks is with us on Facebook. Love the Floating Hearts on Instagram, guys. Keep those coming. On the YouTube side, let's see lots of people to go through. We have Steven joining us. Vanessa, Jessica is also with us. Uh, Soto is joining us. Heartbroken is with us. Welcome to everybody on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It is Wednesday night here on the East Coast of the United States. I know for some of our viewers, it is Thursday morning. Welcome to Gypsy Road, who's just joined us on YouTube. Uh, GD has joined us on Facebook and is waving at us. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, So anyway, guys, uh, we took a little break yesterday from the show. We're back today. I uh, hope everyone is enjoying their day today. So let's just go ahead and get started on probably the biggest news that happened over the last 48 hours, and that is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, real wife, his real wife, uh, Hillary, is going to be taking on the role of Lucille in The Walking Dead. So we are going to get to see Negan's backstory. We are going to get to see Negan. Uh, and his interactions with his uh, wife, Lucille, who is going to be played by his real wife, Hillary Burton. And that's going to be great. I can't wait. Those two uh, seem to have a great dynamic off the screen and on the screen. So I think it's the perfect choice for Lucille. And, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hillary Burton are going to make a phenomenal team on The Walking Dead. So I'm just really jazzed about that. Uh, Let's just go ahead and get started with this article that we have on that very topic and see what they have to say. The character of Lucille is set to appear in one of the additional episodes to come for what they're calling the remaining 10th season of the AMC series of The Walking Dead. Uh, Opposite, of course, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays Negan. So this is not going to be part of season 11. It's obviously not only are we going to get Maggie's uh, kind of backstory in one of those six episodes or more. We're also going to find out Negan's backstory as well for at least one episode or maybe more. We're going to get to meet his wife, Lucille. Lucille will be played by Jeffrey's wife in real life, Hillary Burton Morgan. Hillary played Peyton Sawyer in One Tree Hill for six seasons from 2003 to 2009 and hosted MTV's Total Request Live. I remember that show. Uh, sharing the news on Twitter, Hillary wrote, Been pretty hard. To keep this a secret, but I love working with J.D. Morgan. I love watching him become Negan and take on the swagger. Um, And I love that the Walking Dead family, they've been a part of our family for ages. And I'm so grateful for their kindness. And then she gives kisses and hugs. And the hashtag is Here's Lucille. Uh, In other Walking Dead news, the show is set to offer fans its very first Christmas special, taking part in AMC's annual Best Christmas Ever event. Now that's something exciting. While there's no festive episodes in the card, a number of fan-favorite cast members will be taking part in a virtual catch-up hosted by Talking Dead presenter Chris Hardwick. The specific lineup of cast members is yet to be confirmed, but the event will stream exclusively on AMC Plus on Sunday, December 13th. So, mark your calendar, guys. It's said that the catch-up will include actors from across all three shows, The Walking Dead, Fear, and World Beyond. So, that should be pretty damn interesting. Uh, It's going to be exclusively on AMC+, and it's going to air on Sunday, December 13th. So it's going to be really kind of cool to see what they have set up as this Christmas special from uh, cast and uh, crew and uh, actors and so on from across all three of the different shows. So I'm really psyched about that. I'm psyched about Hillary taking on the role of Lucille, I'm most psyched about the fact that we are going to get to see Lucille in the first place and get to see what Negan was like pre-apocalypse. And we do not have a pretty picture of him from all the stuff that he has said as to the kind of husband he was before the apocalypse and before his wife uh, Lucille died. But now we can actually get to see it on the screen. And that is fascinating. Let's see. Khaleesi writes, loved her in One Tree Hill. Gypsy Road writes, it's a bonus. It absolutely is. Uh, Let's see what else you guys are saying. Cece Weezy saying, wasn't Negan a gym coach or something? He was. He was. He was a gym coach, which explains why he likes kids. And he's good with kids. And uh, he was a gym teacher. Uh, We don't have much background info on Negan, uh, besides his wife's name, which is Lucille. And of course, that's what he named his killer bat after, which is just a really bizarre way for him to honor his dead wife, is to name his weapon that had committed all these atrocities after his dead wife, in a way of honoring her. So that's... Just goes to show you the mentality that Negan was in when we first met him at the end of Season 6. And of course, all throughout Season 7 and 8, 9, and what we just finished up in Season 10. Uh, let's see. AJ is with us on YouTube saying there's a comic of Negan before. Uh, there is. and But now we get to actually see it on the screen uh the comics are great i love them but now we can actually get to see it on the screen play out and see what their vision of of what negan was before the apocalypse and his relationship with his wife lucille before she passed away uh i'm a white boy writes the name of the comic book is called here's negan uh cory adams on facebook writes i want to see how negan became the evil son of a bitch he was in the beginning until his change. Well, we got a little hint of that from Negan himself when Alpha was leading him into the woods to give him his reward for being faithful to her. And her reward was, you know, very animalistic. Your reward for being a loyal member of the Whisperers is you get to have sex with the pack leader. But as he's undressing, where she had him turn around and he's taking off his clothes, he, by the look on his face, he fully expects Alpha to kill him. And he starts explaining to her, you can almost call it like a confessional. He really thought there was a good chance that he might die in that scene, she might take him out from behind. And it was Negan's way, I guess you can call it, his last confession. Uh, explaining how he became the monster he became because that's what the world needed at that time. He never really went on to say that's what he thought the world needed. I believe his words were, I became a monster because that's what the world needed. Uh to explain all the atrocities he committed uh, in the earlier seasons that we got to see him. Uh, Gypsy Road writes, Negan knows how to survive. Yep, yep. Jason Byrne writes, sex with their socks. Yeah, the socks, yeah. Let's forget the mask part. But the socks, you know? Uh, yeah, that was creepy. That was creepy. That was uh, unique. Very original from The Walking Dead team. You gotta, it was a very original scene. I'll give them that much. So, the next thing on our list is when will The Walking Dead season 11 be released? Is it the final season? When, we don't know. Is it the final season? Yes, and it's also gonna be stretched over two years. Uh, While the pandemic may have temporarily slowed things down, Work is once again underway on expanding the Walking Dead universe with the announcement of a major new casting. The zombie drama aired its original season 10 finale last month, but an additional six episodes will be broadcast next year, billed as the In-Between Quills. That's their quote, In-Between Quills. That's what they're calling it which to me is more accurate than calling it season 10 or 11. It's neither one or the other. It's just six extra episodes that we're getting between seasons 10 and 11. Anyway, these extra episodes that will shed more light on the personal journeys of the core characters. While fans are keen to see what happens next, it's possible that the show could look quite different next year, as production is taking place amid the coronavirus pandemic. Showrunner Angela Kang has revealed that the team are thinking outside the box to find ways of making the show possible, with filming hope to start before the end of the year. It could be a while before we have any precise details about the release date for season 11, But it's expected that the season will begin in late 2021, with the second half airing in 2022. And if I was to make a wager, I would say we were probably going to see the beginning of season 11 on time schedule for release in the fall, October of 2021. That's not confirmed. That's just my guess. They are filming those six extra episodes. And my guess is they are just going to keep the character, the actors there. And they're just going to go from those six extra episodes, maybe a little bit of a break, and then go straight into shooting season 11. Uh, Because while you have everybody there, everybody's ready to go, why not just film them and make sure that there's no further delays or any other unforeseen stuff happening that might add to the delays that we've already had so that would be my guess want to welcome abigail with us on facebook who is saying hello uh colette is also with us uh on facebook so where was i um the season is set to be epic in length with as many as 24 episodes split into two separate batches and we'll let you know as soon as we get news of the official release dates before then though fans have some extra season 10 episodes to look forward to with six bonus episodes having been announced in july showrunner angela kang recently told radio times and other presses that the episodes would dive deeply into into some of these characters that we already have. It's kind of focused and almost more anthology-like storytelling in some of them, which is exactly what we currently have in the current season of Fear the Walking Dead, uh, where every episode is a lot more contained as how it relates to two or three characters that are regulars on the show. Unfortunately the main Walking Dead storyline will finish with the eleventh season, but there's still a lot more to come from the franchise in general. When the announcement was made revealing that the eleventh season would be the last, a further two spin-off shows were announced, joining the pre-existing Fear the Walking Dead and the upcoming The Walking Dead World Beyond. Um while a series of Rick Grimes spin-off movies are also in the pipeline, Scott Gimple, chief content officer for the Walking Dead franchise, said, "It's been 10 years gone by. What lies ahead are two more to come, and stories and stories to tell beyond that. What's clear is that this show has been about the living, made by a passionate cast, team of writer slash producers." producers, and crew bringing to life the vision put forth by Robert Kirkman in his brilliant comic and supported by the best fans in the world. And I second that. Uh, We have a lot of thrilling story left to tell on The Walking Dead. And then this will be the beginning of more Walking Dead. Brand new stories and characters, familiar faces and places, new voices, and new mythologies. This will be a grand finale that would lead to new premieres. Evolution is upon us. The Walking Dead lives. There's also recently been news of a potential Daryl and Carol spinoff. You can tell this article is a little bit outdated, even though it was released today, because there is a Daryl and Carol spinoff. But this uh, article... Uh, was released today, but you could tell it was written a little while ago. Uh, the Daryl and Carol spinoff will air in 2023. It was teased at the New York Comic Con uh, Metaverse panel. It, I, it goes on to say, I think it's great that people are getting excited and have something to look forward to, actress Melissa McBride said. Daryl and Carol do have a lot of fans out there who had even talked about how fun it would be to see them have a spin-off. I'm excited. All these characters have gotten to the point where they can deal with and sometimes not deal with each other in our small group. Reedus added, when you take these two characters and put them on the road and they go see who's left out there in the world, How do you, it's like coming out of prison, sort of. You kind of have to readapt to people in general. So there you go on that. Uh, Gypsy Road writes, I would like for them to do a six-episode adventure-type show, have a small group, go on a mission that takes them six episodes to get back to the camp. I would have fun with it uh, if I was the showrunner. That is a good idea, but that's not what they're going to do uh we know uh a chunk of those six episodes are going to involve maggie and we're probably going to be finding out maggie's uh what she's been up to during her missing years from the hilltop and the other communities we now know part of those episodes are going to be about negan and his uh late wife uh lucille uh let's see what else is going on singer chick writes Uh, yep, I know Saz, but a girl's got a dream. Uh, let's see. Lindsay Sparks writes, I love Daryl and Carol. Uh, let's see. Want to welcome all the new people who are joining us on Instagram. Norman Reedus is my hero is joining us on Instagram. Welcome, Norman Reedus. Guillermo is waving at us. Adriana is giving us a smiley face on Instagram as well. Uh, So welcome to all you guys. Let's see. Let's go on to the next thing. This is an article that delves deeper into the Christmas special that I announced just a few minutes ago. Although we'd love to see snowflakes falling on the zombie wasteland, this isn't what will go down. Instead, Talking Dead host Chris Hardwick is rallying the cast together for a virtual catch-up. Uh, faces from the flagship series will be joined by some from the spin offs Fear the Walking Dead and World Beyond. Fingers crossed, Andrew Lincoln makes an appearance. Now, that would be something. Early last month, The Walking Dead showrunner Scott M. Gimple teased plans for a future crossover between the shows. Without giving anything concrete away, he shared. There's something we're working on that's kind of far afield that has some crossovery elements to it. That's about as hedgy as I can get, but there's really but there really is a chance. There's a far far-flung story. I won't even say too much about who's working on it because it would re- reveal some stuff he added. But there's plans. How about that? There's plans. So kind of vague there. Very vague about what he's actually referring to. Got to wait and see what that's about. Uh, I'm a white boy writes, I want to see the Commonwealth. AJ has a question uh, saying, did you get to be in The Walking Dead show or wanted to? You mean, am I, have I been on The Walking Dead show? No. No, I've not been a part of the cast of The Walking Dead. Would I want to? Sure, why not? I'd love to be a guest spot, But like I said before, I don't want to be a walker. I want to be like a, a, a an extra. I'd rather be a, a an extra in the background somewhere as opposed to a walker. I don't know, That's just my preference. Um, singer Chick writes, well, who's see My dreaming might, uh, may have done some good. All right. Here's an interesting one. The Walking Dead fans brought to tears as a child start from the first ever episode post-dramatic transformation image. Long-term viewers will recall how in the first episode of the AMC zombie drama, Rick Grimes was traumatized after shooting dead a child zombie to save himself. The The harrowing scene so a little girl named Summer, dressed in a pink pajamas and clutching a stuffed animal, run at him, her face disfigured and covered in blood. The moment became a famous turning point in Rick's journey as he reckoned with the apocalypse and the nature of the virus that has taken hold of humanity. Now, actress Addie Miller, who played the little girl, has taken to Twitter... To mark the show's 10th anniversary, which was just the other day on Halloween, she shared two side by side snaps of her standing by her TV with her appearance on the show paused on the screen. How it started, how it's going. She captioned the tweet 10 years ago uh, today, I filmed a little role. That changed my life, she added. I am beyond lucky and thankful for everything this show has brought me. She signed off. I love hashtag the Walking Dead family and the community built around this show. The post racked up a whopping 30,000 likes and was soon flooded with kind words from the show's fan base. Quote, this actually moved me to tears. Can't believe how time has flown, one user wrote. Another one wrote, this really hit me in the feels with the main series ending. Another one wrote, the end of an era for sure. I'll just, I will just be crying over here. Uh, Another person added, who would have thought back then how big this show would become? You'll always be a part of the legacy. However, Addy's role on the show has since gone on to represent one of the show's biggest plot holes. Oh boy, here we go again with plot holes. One thing that has remained consistent in The Walking Dead is the presence of walkers, reanimated corpses that can only be taken down by destroying the brain. What hasn't been so consistent is the way they act, as some Eagle Dive fans spotted last year. And I was watching uh, season one uh, several days ago, and I know exactly where they're getting at in this article. You guys remember that, uh, that scene where Glenn and Rick doused themselves in zombie guts? To get from the rooftop mall store to the trucks to get everybody out of Atlanta. And it starts raining on them. The blood and gut starts to be washed away. And they make a dash for the fence. There are several walkers that have that moved a lot quicker in that scene. Than we, that we have not really seen since. Okay? You want to call it a plot hole? Call it a plot hole. Uh, it, It was, you know, like episode number two or three. It was number two, I believe, called Guts of the Walking Dead. But yeah, you know, there were some walkers not really running, but not the normal slow pace that we're used to today. They want to call it a plot hole. That's fine. You could come up with a lot of alternate explanations to that as well. They're freshly dead. The virus hadn't mutated yet. Uh, whatever. Colette on Facebook writes, I would love to be in it like you, Viz, as an extra. Uh, I'm a white boy writes, no, I call it extras not doing what they were told. <laughs> Lindsay Sparks writes, the episode was called Guts, if I remember correctly. It was. It was called Guts. They were probably told to walk slow, and they didn't. <laughs> if that happened, I'm sure they would have would have redone the scene uh it wasn't a run it wasn't a slow crawl that we see today it was a brisk walk is the best way i'm going to describe it uh anyway it goes on to say when rick encountered summer he called little girl i'm a policeman don't be afraid and beckoned her to come to him at one point she bent down to pick up an abandoned teddy bear, which she may have well dropped moments earlier. Next, she turns around to face him, revealing a lump on her face was missing and her eyes were glazed over. Breaking into a run, she charged at Rick, who had no choice but to shoot her to stop her biting him and passing on the infection. This may seem like typical zombie fare, but it actually flags up two major inconsistencies. Firstly, we have not seen zombies run on the show for years. In fact, they famously drag themselves forward at a slow pace, hence the ability of the groups to herd them. Perhaps more interestingly, though, is the fact that the little girl picked up the teddy. Clearly displaying a sense of attachment informed by personal memories or sentiments to even have the intellectual capacity to pick up an object would be a first for a walker as we have never seen such a display since. Granted, for The Walking Dead. But this has been done throughout uh, zombie movies. You know, George Romero the grandfather of the modern-day zombie. Uh, You know, Day of the Dead, uh, where one of the characters, the doctor, the mad scientist, is trying to learn from a zombie he has chained up, which he named Bub. Bub has to be probably one of the most famous zombies of all time. Uh, He was... Bub, the zombie, and the mad scientist doctor actually developed a relationship. They liked each other. And uh, this mad scientist doctor, I'm explaining this for all you guys who have not seen Day of the Dead, the original. And if you haven't, you must. It's a must-see. This trained zombie, Bub, and the mad scientist doctor develop a relationship. And when the mad scientist doctor, I'm about to spoil it for you here, is killed by that group's leader, who's just a I don't know what the right word for him is. We're gonna call him a jerk for right now. He kills the mad scientist doctor, and that puts, you know, the zombie Bub on a revenge mission. We know that this zombie is has the ability, he knows how to pick up a gun, he points it. At The uh, guy who shoots the mad scientist pulls the trigger, but there's no bullets in it. So we have seen this throughout uh, Many different zombie movies going way back So for The Walking Dead to do this as well is really not any kind of surprise uh, Anyway, it goes on to say uh, Given they've been led into fires pits and filled with spikes. It certainly seems like a stretch for one to pick up a stuffed animal. And my explanation for this is that the zombie virus has definitely mutated. And one surefire proof sign of that is just the time it takes after one dies to reanimate. In the beginning, uh, especially in that CDC episode in the season one finale of The Walking Dead, Dr. Jenner said it could be... You know, a couple of hours to up to like 12, 24 hours. And now they are reanimating a lot quicker than they did when the uh, virus first broke out. So we know this thing is uh, mutated. And maybe as we get deeper into the CRM storyline, who they, the CRM seems to be the only group that has viable scientists still at their disposal. Some more of this might be explained, or it might not. We don't know. Uh, Khaleesi writes, uh, they picked up big rocks, trying to break out a window where Rick and them were in the department store. Uh, singer chick writes, it did. She did. CC. Little Phil is with us on YouTube, writing to CC. Yep, I remember. AJ writes, uh, like Frankenstein. Bob did look like, Bob did look like Frankenstein. Uh, but I love that zombie. He's like the, he has to be the most famous zombie of all time. Lindsay Sparks writes, I love old horror movies. Day of the Dead, awesome. Ah, that makes me feel old, Lindsay. Because when Day of the Dead came out, I mean, I was very young. When Day of the Dead came out, I was just 11 years old. I believe it came out in 1985. So anyway, the, it goes on to finish saying, uh, one wrote, hold on, these zombies back, and they were much faster and picked up teddy bears. What's going on? Another person echoed, why did the zombie girl pick up the bear exactly? While a third spotted another detail, adding, dang, the wife, Walker, tried to open the door And this girl, Walker, picked up a teddy bear. And the wife, Walker, that they are talking about is uh, Jenny, Morgan's late wife, who died in the outbreak of the apocalypse. I believe it was in the premiere episode when Morgan and Rick are holed up in Morgan's house and they see the reanimated corpse of Morgan's wife coming towards the house. She does come to the door and we do see the doorknob turning we do see the doorknob turning and that was her trying to get in uh jason writes i was 13 in 1985 oh that makes me feel better uh khaleesi writes yep it was viz all right well a lot of good information that we got today on the news front uh like i said i'm going to say it again i'm really looking forward to Hillary Burton as Lucille on The Walking Dead. I'm looking forward to this Christmas special. That is going to air on AMC Plus. On December 13th. Sunday December 13th. With cast members from all three shows. That is going to be hosted by Chris Hardwick. From Talking Dead. So if you guys have AMC Plus. Please check that out. And if you don't. It's definitely worth checking out. AMC Plus, which is what AMC Premiere used to be called before it got switched to AMC Plus, it really expanded and it includes a lot of horror movies. Uh, It includes like Shudder as well in some instances. So you get a lot of stuff at a really reasonable price. So AMC Plus is worth the investment. If you're looking to add it to your home entertainment. So anyway, we are going to get started with today's topic. And today we are going to be talking about foreshadowing that we have seen throughout the Walking Dead universe. Call it foreshadowing, little Easter egg clues left here and there that told us things that were going to happen. And in some instances did not happen for many, many seasons after they were foreshadowed um, on the show. So let's start with season one, which is when Jim started digging holes in the ground that looked like graves. Uh, Either he was digging graves or he was digging his way to China. At the time, he seems to be losing it and isn't able to explain himself why he was digging those holes. It's not until the aftermath of the camp getting attacked by walkers does he reveal he remembers why he dug the holes. He tells the group they were part of a dream that he had. This can be seen as foreshadowing of death and the people that we are going to lose. And that's a famous scene. You guys, you know, if you watch season one... And you remember that episode where Jim is frantically just digging holes for no good reason whatsoever. He is spotted, uh, by Dale. Dale tells Shane. Shane approaches him. All Jim wants to do is be left alone and let him dig his holes. We find out when the confrontation escalates between him and Shane. And Shane, you know, uh puts him to the ground. That's when we get to hear Jim's story of what happened to his family. He is bearing this enormous amount of guilt uh, that the only reason he got away was because the dead were too busy eating his family. And that is the only reason he is still alive and he is just bearing all that guilt. And as you can imagine, was was weighing very heavily on him. Elisa is with us on Facebook, saying a super fan of The Walking Dead. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I had two kids by then and was singing six nights a week through the 80s. Uh, (laughs) CC Weezy is laughing at that one. Uh, Next is a deleted scene that was meant to be the extended opening of season two premiere, but it unfortunately did not make the cut. In this scene, the group makes a decision to go back to Guillermo's gang hideout, which is the nursing home at Atlanta, to seek refuge. And that is from the other great episode in season one, which is titled Vatos. This happens after the explosion at the CDC. And if you all remember who Guillermo was, he was the leader of the Vatos gang, who had taken Glenn hostage when they were after Rick's guns. So anyway, upon the group's arrival, they noticed that the place was surrounded by walkers and that it was completely overrun. When they entered the building, they find the people that had lived there were already dead. So a lot of people on this show have asked whatever happened to the Vatos group. Uh, to this day, people ask whatever happened to that uh, Vatos group. So there was a deleted scene that never made it to the screen, uh, but it is available out there where they do go back. And just like I've explained on this show before, the Vatos gang did not survive very long after Rick and the gang left them. The place got overrun. It was in the middle of Atlanta. Uh... You know, a lot of the dead around, they just got overrun and they all died. Um, So anyway, it was Daryl who noticed that the Vatos group were all shot, execution style, while Andrea made the assumption that walkers had killed everyone. This sparks an argument between them. Daryl, however, made a strong impression on the group showing how smart he actually is and Andrea is shut down when her theory is proved wrong. So they were executed. They were not uh, killed by the Walkers who came in after. The Walkers had come in after they were killed by the biggest threat in the post-apocalyptic world. The biggest threat in the post-apocalyptic world it's not the reanimated dead, it's the living, you know. That's why I love the slogan, fear the living, fight the dead. The scene was like foreshadowing of the governor since it was his style to shoot groups of other survivors and steal from them just like the military group in season three. Now, next on our list is Morgan Jones and how he foreshadowed the Whisperers. Now, this is a highly debatable uh, foreshadowing or Easter egg because you can argue one way that Morgan encountered the Whisperers and he tells it to Rick way back in Season 3 in the episode named Clear, or you can take the very simple explanation that Morgan at the time was completely insane. And he was. Morgan had lost his mind. He was trying to kill everything that moved, dead or alive, he didn't care. It was, uh, that's how the title, that's why that episode got its title. He was all about clearing. Clearing the dead, clearing the living. He saw it as his mission to get rid of everyone. So that's why I'm calling this one kind of contested. And I've mentioned this before on this show This is still while they are in Atlanta. Alpha and the Whisperers, uh, we saw in flashbacks, uh, Alpha, when uh, the outbreak started, was in Baltimore. Okay, When we get to meet her in Season 9 and the Whisperers, they are in Northern Virginia, which is not that far away from Baltimore. Now, Season 3 where Morgan explains his encounter of seeing the living wearing the faces of the dead, that is still in Atlanta, Georgia, which is over 600 miles away from Northern Virginia. So that is the big inconsistency. Uh, I'm sure Morgan saying that was put in there on purpose by the writers, not for something that will ever be explained but to plant the seed, you know, six years down the road that we are going to get to meet the Whisperers. I do not believe that Morgan came across the Whisperers. I just want to make that very, very clear. Just because of the geography does not make sense. Okay, from Baltimore, Northern Virginia, all the way down to Atlanta, Georgia. But the writers did plant that line in when Morgan was telling Rick the story um, which really wasn't making a lot of sense he was uh, going in and out of his rambling he did explain that his wife Jenny he couldn't shoot her she approached Dwayne and because Morgan could not put down his his walker wife Jenny, Jenny ended up killing Dwayne. Dwayne died, Dwayne turned and then Morgan You know, he put them both down. And that led to him losing his mind. Uh, Let's see. Colette on Facebook writes, Didn't Eugene and Rosita hear them first? Yes, but that's in season nine. That's when we're starting to first be introduced to the Whispers. It's in the beginning of season nine where Eugene wants to expand... Uh, the area that the Alexandrians have explored and they start expanding, you know, further out. Eugene goes to the tower to put up, to put up a radio relay so their um, communications can reach further out and possibly contact other communities or other survivors that might be out there. And along the way, they see a herd coming and they're running away Uh, from this herd and the herd is catching up with them they they ditch them on the side of the road uh, hiding as the herd is walking by and they cover their faces in mud and as the herd of walkers is walking by Eugene and Rosita they hear them whispering and they're like the looks on their faces is like what the hell is going on they have no idea what's going on at this point But that is literally like our first introduction to the Whisperers, which took us all the way to the mid-season finale of Season 9, which is where we lost Jesus. And, you know, that's when we get to see them uh, have their masks taken off after uh, they kill Jesus. Then Daryl takes out the uh, Whisperer that killed Jesus, rips the mask off him, and lo and behold it's living people who are walking amongst the dead uh cat writes i thought the walkers were evolving which freaked me out Um, uh, now i knew i knew because i knew we were getting the whisperers from the start of season nine and i was really anticipating it and i loved i loved how they did the interjection of the whisperers uh slowly very slowly over the course of eight episodes starting with Season 9, in the, in the very beginning of Season 9, all the way to that mid-season finale, which was Episode 8 of Season 9. So anyway, moving along. Uh, in Season 4, when Daryl and Beth are sitting on the porch on the funeral home, Beth gives him two predictions. The first is that Daryl will miss her when she is gone, and that can be seen as foreshadowing to her own death. The second is her prediction that Daryl is going to be the last man standing, which is right on track with the Daryl and Carol spinoff being announced. Daryl is going to be one of the last people standing, along with a whole bunch of other people. The Commonwealth, Alexandria, as if they follow the comic books... The Commonwealth, Alexandria, Hilltop, Oceanside are all going to integrate in one way or another. That is going to play out over the course of the two years, the 24 episodes that we're going to get in Season 11. It's going to be very exciting to see which part of the comics they decide to keep, which parts they decide to change. Either way, it's going to be very exciting. Now, in Season in the In the Season 4 finale, uh, which is where we got to meet Terminus, and the episode was called uh, Just the Letter A, when the group were held captive in Terminus and the fate it had, they were all in the boxcar labeled with the letter A. Then later on, after the group arrive and settle in Alexandria, at the welcome welcome party that Deanna threw for them, Both Rick and Jesse got A stamps on the back of their hands from Jesse's son, Sam. There is also an A stamped on the railing of the steps at Carol's front porch. There are further references made by Jadis to the letters A and B in Season 9, when Rick is of course taken away by that CRM helicopter. So, basically, the letter A has significance. It keeps popping up in various seasons and different episodes of The Walking Dead. Jadis had also referenced this prior to Rick being picked up. This was when she was on the walkie-talkie, making some sort of deal with who we now know is the CRM. The successive use of the letter A kind of builds a pattern here that is still a a mystery to solve for every fan out there. And as World Beyond Fear progress, we are starting to get little drips and drabs of information that is steering us uh, towards an explanation as to what this A and B is. I don't think we're going to get the final explanation until the rick grimes movies come out uh now we move on to the wolves which were one of the main antagonists in season six we cannot forget the brutal wolves before we got to know them there were subtle hints of their existence throughout the previous season which was season five sometime between noah's arrival and the departure from grady memorial hospital which was where Noah and Beth were being held captive by, you know, the antagonist Dawn, in Atlanta. The wolves attacked uh, the home estate of where Noah lived. It was Noah's community and what he was trying to get back to and what the group, Rick and company, were looking forward to what might be a safe place for them to reside in. The wolves killed many of uh, the inhabitants of Noah's old community, mutilating their bodies. And how do we know it's the wolves? Because of the letter W. Uh, The letter W that is graffitied into the walls of that community. Uh, That is what leads us to believe that it was the wolves. And also that the wolves are a migrating group. They are sort of nomadic as opposed to the Whisperers who really, like I said, Alpha started in Baltimore after so many years in the apocalypse, never really made it beyond Northern Virginia. But in regards to the Wolves, we have clear evidence to say this is before Rick made the final decision for them to go up to Washington. So they were still near the Georgia area, whether it's near Atlanta or not, that is not clear, but the wolves seem to have migrated. You can almost say followed the same path that Rick and company took from Georgia all the way up to Alexandria, which is where they attack Alexandria. they were also famous for carving the letter W, not only on their own foreheads to identify themselves, but also on the uh, the dead. You see, they did not just kill people and destroy the brain, which was sort of, you know, the ones that we got to hear speak, saying they were saving people by killing them. Uh, they were killing them to allow them to turn. They didn't want them to uh, stay dead. They wanted them to reanimate. And they marked all their kills by putting the W on their foreheads as well. And they also had the W on their foreheads to go along with the dead as, also. So, they were, they were just a twisted group. And we had, uh, you know, Benedict Samuel, who played Owen, and... That was a great interview when we had him on our show. And he had some great insight into, you know, how he played the character of Owen and what he felt were the motivation of the the wolves themselves. Now, Daryl actually mercy kills an undead woman who was tied to a tree in the woods with the letter W carved into her forehead... This is in episode 15 of season 5 while he was with Aaron in the woods. They discuss how this was a very recent, which meant a new threat was close to home. And that's also the same time, the same outing where Daryl and Aaron were out scouting uh, and they get trapped in the car uh, because they set off the trap that the wolves had set for them. With the walkers piled up into the semis. And, uh, you know, they triggered the trap. A whole bunch of walkers were released. Aaron and Daryl end up getting stuck in a car. They decide to make a run for it. And lo and behold, Morgan shows up. Helps them out. And they escape that. But Aaron leaves behind his bag. Okay? And in his bag... He had pictures of Alexandria. And that one event led to the wolves finding out exactly where Alexandria was, which led to the Alexandria massacre that was initiated by the wolves. Uh, So another thing, I mean, you know, we talked about the booby traps. We are almost running out of time. I want to get to a few more here. You know, you can call them foreshadowing, Easter eggs, whatever you prefer. Uh, Let's see. Uh, When Glenn and Heath kill several walkers near the Savior Outpost, they share their anxiety about killing these people uh, because not only were they killing them in their sleep, uh, just the fact that they have never killed living people before. When they discovered the two men were asleep, they grimly prepared to kill them. And you can see the great discomfort... Uh, on their face glenn is able to overcome his nerves and even offers to kill for heath and as we've said many many times before it was rick's plan to go in and kill this unknown group of people the worst decision he has ever made Uh, but you got to look at glenn too glenn willingly went along and this is Glenn's biggest guilty moment on his time in The Walking Dead. He went ahead and murdered people while they were sleeping, and there was no way to there's no way to spin that in a positive direction at all. Uh, so in a way, Glenn's discomfort, discomfort, foreshadowed that something bad was going to happen, and what we were doing and what they were doing under Rick's leadership, that decision was completely wrong. And then we all know what that led to. The introduction of Negan. The people they were killing were the saviors. And it led to war. It it ultimately led to Glenn and Abraham's demise when they first get to meet uh, Negan. The infamous Season 7, Episode 1 premiere. And let's see, we got literally just uh, a minute or two left. And then, let's see, the uh, interesting Easter egg that was missed by a lot of fans, which predicts something huge in the show. Um, we are talking about the CRM logo, the overlapping three rings, which was on the helicopter that airlifted Rick to an unknown location in Season 9. If you think back carefully to Season 7, that CRM emblem was, was evoked long before introducing them to the show we see this in a scene where dwight empties a cigarette box into his hand and the three rings fall into the same crm pattern again if you just watch that scene on its own you're like okay the rings fell overlapping no big deal coincidence but it leads you to wonder you know that the producers the writers uh specially choreograph that scene as a way to foreshadow the coming of the CRM because The Walking Dead is notorious for doing stuff like that, just part of the stuff that makes it so awesome. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for today. That hour just flew by. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Please visit our website, which is at deadtalklive.com. Visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. If you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Uh, Guest announcements. Reminders. Monday, this coming Monday, we are going to have Rabbi Jacob. Actor Peter Jacobson, who plays Rabbi Jacob from Fear the Walking Dead, huge actor, has been in so many shows, uh, major, major actor. Uh, one of his most famous shows was the the hit show Fox, uh, sorry, the hit show on Fox called House. He played Dr. Talb for the better part of four seasons on it. Uh, major cast member. He is now currently on Fear the Walking Dead, and we all know him as Rabbi Jacob. So Peter Jacobson is going to be joining us Monday. And then the very next day on Tuesday, November 10th, we are being joined by Fear the Walking Dead's Dakota. Virginia's sister is going to be our live guest Tuesday, November 10th. 10th. uh, Played by Zoe Colletti. So two great interviews back-to-back, Monday and Tuesday, november 9th and 10th next week you don't want to miss them it's going to be fabulous and i'm very much looking forward to talking to the both of them thank you so much for guys thank you so much guys for tuning in tonight i'll be back on the air again tomorrow stay safe and always stay walking